0: Logo Geek. Hey Logo Geeks, it's Ian Padgett here and I'm back with another podcast that's created to help you make a living designing logos. On this week's show, I'm going to be joined by Martin Huntbatch to discuss content marketing. But before we dive into that, do you want to win a year long subscription to Creative Cloud? I have three to give away, and this is exclusive for listeners of the Logo Geek podcast. So, to have a chance to win one of these, I want you to design a mood board but there are a couple of rules. So first you need to head to theperfectmatch.co forward slash play where you'll be able to get a brief and you'll need to create your mood board using Adobe Stock Assets. Once you've created your mood board, if you send it to me by email or ping me a message on Facebook or Twitter, what I will do is put your name into a hat and in around three weeks' time, What I'll do is I will pick out three names. I also want to make sure that you submit that mood board design into the perfect match, where you'll receive a $50 Starbucks voucher if you're in the US or Canada. Or that would be a $50 Amazon gift voucher everywhere else um, for every mood board design that you enter. So by simply entering, you will get something on top of that if your submitted mood board design is chosen by the perfect match you will be then featured on adobe's monthly live streaming game show where you'll have the chance to go home with one thousand dollars so like i said for every entry adobe will give you a 50 dollar gift. And if you email me, I'll put your name into a hat for the chance to win one of three Adobe CC year-long subscriptions. So there's a lot of prizes up for grabs and uh, you're guaranteed to get that $50 gift. So it's totally worth entering. Uh, So to learn more about this and to enter, head to theperfectmatch.co forward slash play. I'm really excited to see your entries. For this, so please do send them to me. So, if you're a regular listener of this podcast, you probably noticed I needed to skip a week last week from the podcast. And I don't know if you could hear it in my voice still, but I've had a bit of a cough and cold for the last couple of weeks. Um, It's weird because for almost two years while we were in uh, lockdowns during the pandemic, I don't think I was ill once throughout that time. Uh, But now we're back to normal life, I'm ill. (laughs) Um, So I don't know if anyone else listening to this is in the same boat. But yeah, here I am. And uh, anyway, now I can speak relatively normally again. I'm here back for you with another podcast. And this week is an exciting topic. It's going to be content marketing. But more important, how you can use that content to actually filter your clients. So this is a really interesting one. So to talk about this, I'm going to be joined by Martin Hunchbatch, who is someone I met at an event in London called Upanus Summit a few years back. And I caught up with him recently and was excited to find out that he's recently released a book called Content Fortress. And as it's relevant for logo designers in that content marketing helps you to attract clients. I wanted to get Martin on the podcast to get some helpful tips and advice around content marketing and to talk about his book. So Martin is the co-founder of Jammy Digital, uh, which is a content writing agency here in the UK He's spoken about content marketing on stages across the country and after winning the best business blog award in 2018 he's made it his mission to help as many businesses as possible to attract their ideal clients using content. So today we're in for a real treat. So to discuss content marketing and how it can be used to filter your clients here is the interview with Martin Hunchbatch. Martin you got in touch with me a few days back and I know we've known each other a while and um, I was really excited to hear that you've released a new book called Content Fortress uh, which is exciting. This is about content marketing and I know that some people in the audience might not know what this is but I can guarantee that they will be interested in this and will want to know more. So I think as a an opening question to this conversation. Can you talk through what content marketing is? Yeah, I mean, it's such a,
1: a such a, an overused term, I find. And often when, you know, there's like a buzzword out there. Um, I know I did when I first heard it. I just, I kind of just blanked it out, really. <laughs> um, it was only from reading books myself that I really started to understand how businesses were using content marketing to, you know, improve their uh, their businesses, and um, so the way I like to see it is, how can you provide as much value as possible before someone becomes a customer? So that might be different for all businesses. Um, it might be, you know, I decide to use a, a YouTube channel. That's my content avenue. Or for you, it might be the podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, it was uh, blog articles. Um, you know, we we just found that all of the things that we tried for our particular business and for our particular audience, we found that articles and creating long-form articles was going to be the best way for us to reach our business goals. So content marketing, you know, people think podcast, YouTube, TikTok now, um, but there's just so many different avenues and sometimes it's just about trial and error. Um, So that's kind of what content means for me. It's how you can build as much trust and value before someone becomes a customer. And obviously there are just so many benefits of that as well.
0: Okay do you want to talk through what some of those benefits are and and that was beautifully explained by the way. <laughs> oh thank you I uh, you, you you'd think that I sort of
1: like pre-planned that but actually I'm just like it's a re- it's a really interesting question. Oh yeah question. <laughs> but you've clearly wrote a book on the topic. <laughs> <laughs> well yeah I think um the benefits are the initial benefits and the reason people reach out to us as an agency and want to, you know, work with us, are generally because of a few surface level things. So you would imagine that people want more traffic. They want, you know, they want people, more people to know their who they are and what they do. Uh, you know, maybe, you know, one level deeper might be leads. And, um, and that's kind of a lot of the people who reach out to us are just, they want to build more awareness and they want to, you know, get more leads and potentially sales. But at the the sort of the first question people ask is, you know, how can we just get more exposure using content? You know, you hear the term viral and I want to go viral on TikTok and I want to go viral on Instagram and I want to be Instagram famous. And, and you know, it you know, and I know that you can be pretty successful with your business without going viral and without actually, mm-hmm. you know, taking over the internet. So the benefits really are on the surface level are things like, more traffic to your website, more traffic to your social media, and more leads, Uh, you know, like people that might want to work with you or people that just subscribe to your your newsletter, that kind of thing. But actually we found, and this is why when we wrote the book, and I know, you know, we're not specifically talking about that. We didn't really want to write a book that spoke about the surface level stuff. Uh, What we found interesting is that when we started to really, really focus on creating content, we focused on creating content that led to sales. So yes, you're gonna get traffic, yes, you're gonna get rankings and you know search engine uh, rankings and lots of keywords depending on what platform you're trying to you know create content for. But we just found that ultimately businesses are only successful if they make sales and and that's what we found. So we were creating content and we were. Some of the benefits that we specifically saw, I'm not saying everybody's going to see these results, is when we were doing it, we were mainly building websites. Now, trying to rank online for website-related keywords and and SEO and things like that is obviously extremely competitive. So we didn't pick the best niche, uh, really, but we still saw success from creating content on a consistent basis. So in terms of what we saw, we saw an increase in traffic from a few hundred to a few thousand Uh, within the space of 12 months, we'd increased our traffic by 10 times. And that's in a very competitive niche. Uh, We found that we were attracting, you know, better clients in general, they were more educated, because when they spoke to us, you know, they wouldn't ask so many basic questions. So that actually made the sales process slightly easier as well. Um, And over that time, we increased our prices like multiple times, because uh, it got to a point and this is where kind of the the underlying benefits are which is when you get to a point where and I say benefits but also this is a bad thing and this co- this caused me personally quite a lot of stress is that we were generating so much traffic and we were generating quite a lot of leads but there at that point it was just kind of me running the business and uh, my wife still, was still working uh, so which we both now work together and um And I was finding that I was kind of getting lots of leads, but the leads weren't all always great leads. You know, I was just being inundated and I didn't have time to actually do certain things within my job. And I I just felt the pressure and uh, we call it email anxiety. So I'm sure you've been there before. I'm sure a lot of listeners are. Is When you get an email from someone because they've consumed some content and they think, oh, great, this person's going to help me. What are the chances that that person is your ideal client? you know, it's not going to be a hundred, it's not going to be 80%. It might be 50, 50, if you're lucky. But ultimately we just found that out of all of the leads and inquiries that we were getting because of our content, there were maybe only 20, 30% potentially that were really, really great clients and great prospects. The problem is, is when you get an email and you know that the, you're getting vibes that they might not be the right client, maybe they're asking what the price is before they're asking about the value and what what you can do, and we just found that we were we were I was losing sleep because I'm like I really gotta reply to that email, and I don't know what to say because they probably don't have the budget they're in the a wrong niche, and I don't think it's gonna work out because we have a certain price point. Um, And obviously you've got to deal with that. So even if you're getting leads through and traffic, it's not always sunshine and rainbows. You've got to have a strategy and you've got to be able to deal with that. Um, So we actually transitioned our content from being more traffic focused and lead focused into more filter focused. So we're able to filter it through and that's where the term content fortress came in.
0: Oh, wow. Now that makes a lot more uh, sense. I, I, I really love this idea of Uh, using content as a filter rather than simply uh, focusing on purely creating content for the sake of it. Mm -hmm. So we definitely need to talk about how you're using it as a filter. But uh, I think before we do, uh, I think uh, we need to talk about actual content creation itself. So how do you go about creating content? Like where do you start? How do you know what to uh, write or talk about? So
1: one of the obviously I can tell you we've got a, a shed loads of free resources on our website but actually giving you
0: tangible information just to pursue best... what what is your website and then I can get people to go there and I'll also link to it in the show notes as well it's a jammydigital.com fantastic so yeah. people can go and check that out and I'll link to it in the show notes as well
1: yeah we've got like a learning center on there so there's lots of free content and little quizzes you can take and stuff
0: like that so it's a. Uh, yeah we try to
1: make it as helpful as
0: possible. Brilliant, Um, brilliant because I know um, in in terms of the time that we have so this would be like mm -hmm. an hour-long conversation there's Mm -hmm. only so much that we can go into really and with my background I used to work for a web design agency and Mm -hmm. uh, as part of that team there was an SEO team so I do have a background sort of in SEO because I Worked alongside the um, team, and in terms of like training people, you need at least a day or two or three, you know, to really <laughs> understand content marketing and and being able to optimize content. So really, in I know in this conversation, we're, we're probably only going to go surface level, mm-hmm. and um, so it's great that you've got those extra resources and information that people can go to after this. And, and like I said, if people didn't write that down, then check out the show notes for this episode, and I'll make sure to pop links in there as well. Fantastic.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if we were to go through everything we we know, it would, uh, yeah, it would take a couple Yeah, we'd be days. here all day. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. Um, but no, in terms of, you know, the, when we first got started, um, what we, the content we created was quite broad about questions that we used to get asked on a regular basis. Um, quite often, the questions that, if you sat down and you said, I'm going to create some content, one of the mistakes that we made when we first started content is we made it too technical and out of reach for our ideal customers. And I can't like, I mean, I, I know I said that really quick, but I can't stress the importance of that. So there are agencies and you talk, you spoke about agencies and we saw this too. A lot of people think, oh you're going up against these other people and they've got big websites and things. The worst kind of content we see are generally from agencies. Uh, they write content that's quite thin they write content that's you know, there to elevate their authority without actually giving some content away. So you might see stuff like, oh, we've recently released a blog post about a, an award that we've won. Or they may start writing um, super technical stuff because they've got someone on their team to write it and they only know you know, C++ or whatever, some technical jargon term that nobody actually really cares about. So the really fine kind of um, sort of the area in which you want to create content is what questions do your customers ask you on a regular basis? What are the basic questions that you would think that's really obvious to me, but to them, I can't believe someone's just asking that question. Um, so when you actually really, really bring the content down so that it's super simple, super ideal for your customers and forget about your competitors, that's the best way to to get started. If you can imagine the top 10 questions that you get asked on a regular basis One of the things that we found is when we started producing that kind of basic content, we found that, you know, people didn't ask those questions anymore because they were on our website and they were checking us out before they actually booked a a sales call with us or a discovery call. So they were self-educating before taking up our time. So that's a really, really good benefit. Obviously, that doesn't necessarily stop people from getting in touch if they're not the right fit, but that's the best place to start. Think about the really straightforward questions that you can ask. Other you can answer, should I say, on your website. Uh, and that's kind of, we didn't create content every single week. We may be in our first 12 months created maybe 20, 22 pieces of content, which is like a little less than one every other week. Uh, so that kind of content, you know, we were just realizing that if we just focused on really answering those questions that we get asked on a regular basis, then that would get us, at least it would make for easier conversations. At least it would allow people to learn a little bit more about what we're talking about and increase their trust within us because we're just answering basic questions that we know that they're asking. Um, and that's how sometimes the best content can get created, no matter what tools you've got online that can calculate the best keywords and what you should write content for, or how to look at the metrics and the data. Sometimes the best thing that you've got is your email, When people ask you questions that you might find annoying or phone calls when they ask you questions about, you know, um, just how you, how you build a website from start to finish. That's a question that we used to get asked quite a lot. And that's definitely something that we decided to answer on our website. And those questions sometimes get missed because they seem so trivial and basic, but those are the questions that your customers actually want you to know. So that kind of content will get you started and that kind of content will make your life a lot easier.
0: Yeah, I think this is a really good point and uh, an important one because I did an interview, I can't remember how long ago, it was a a few months back with someone I think you might know, um, a graphic designer called Cole Gray uh, in Scotland. I I think we go to mutual events, so you probably met him. Yeah, he's a good friend. He told this story about the time he started working with a client And he wanted the client to send him over a file. I can't remember the exact story, but he did talk about it in that podcast. And he basically asked her, oh, can you send me a JPEG of that file? Like something really trivial. As a graphic designer, we know Mm -hmm. what a JPEG is. We just assume that everybody else knows what that is. But the problem is, in that particular case, that lady didn't know what a JPEG was. And she felt so embarrassed that she didn't get back in touch with Cole because she didn't know what it was and just felt humiliated that she she felt like she was supposed to know what that thing was and she just had no idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah, And you need to think about these type of things because like as a logo designer or whatever you do, there are terms and things that you do on a day-to-day basis that they just don't know about. And that can be content. So something as trivial as what is a JPEG? Like that's not even something that you would normally even think of having to write as a piece of content. Mm-hmm. But yeah. actually, you know, your client needs to know what those things are. So when you like if if you was to think of your process, you could probably break it down into hundreds of pieces of content that will actually genuinely help people and I I really like what you've like you've kind of implied that you need to I guess almost treat it like you're you're teaching a child you know it's like this is this is this stuff is completely new or Mm -hmm. potentially completely new to somebody how can you go about helping that person really understand uh what it is you do so that you don't keep getting question after question after question yeah yeah exactly and the best example I've got is
1: is what we did so before we actually really focused on this. The piece of content that I published before I changed my approach was what is a 301 redirect and why do you need to know? So that's a technical term that most people, most designers might not even understand. I have to teach people that. But for some reason in my head, I was like, I want to rank for that keyword. So that's what I'm going to go for. Knowing full well that None of my customers, I literally say zero of my customers could tell me what a 301 read was, or even identify that as a term that they needed to think about. So it was completely pointless me writing that article other than if someone was technical and they just needed a, re, uh, you know, a, a reminder. So when you compare that to the first piece of content I created when I changed my approach and it was how much does it cost for a website? So the the difference is vast between here's a technical term that you've never even knew existed, or what is it a guaranteed question that you're going to ask me? You know, it's 100% guaranteed that someone's going to ask you that question when they want to work with you or when they're browsing online. So that's the difference, really. The difference is making it so obvious, making it so achievable for someone to get an answer that you know that they're asking a question about. Um, and I think that's probably the simplest way to be effective. And it sounds so straightforward and it sounds so simple. And it's like, well, if it's that easy, why aren't other people doing it? And it's because they're not taking this approach. They're not treating their customers like like royalty, I suppose. And like, you know, just answering every single question that they've got. And this concept really was brought to light from the, the book, They Ask You Answer by Marcus Sheridan. He's also a good friend with me and with Col Gray as well. Um, but that's where I kind of really, really, it really hit the nail on the head for me. Um, that was how I was able to start getting more traffic, more rankings and, and more leads uh, and more sales. It just so happened that when we were writing that content that was really helpful and easily accessible and great, we were still attracting some people that we did, really didn't want to attract and weren't the right fit for us. And that's why we had to t- kind of change things up slightly.
0: Sure, sure. I I'd, I'd like to go into the actual filter more, but I think in terms of like creating content. So at this point, I I think within a fairly short space of time, you you perfectly described how you can figure out what what the like question should be that you want to answer. But I guess when we talk about content at the beginning of the podcast, you you broke down what the different types of content are. But I think it's worth going into this. So we got a question. We know that we need to answer that. And now we want to create some content. What are the different forms of content that we could potentially create in order to help our uh, target customer?
1: So it really depends on who your audience are. You know, do the audience know that your product and service will is, is something that exists that, that will benefit them? For instance, logo design. You know, is that something somebody's going to be searching for logo designer in Manchester or London um, or even cheap logo design or whatever? There are people out there who understand what logo design is. So those people will be searching online. Maybe they'll search YouTube. Maybe they'll search the Apple podcast. But more chances are if they're searching for someone to help with a logo, they might just go to Google, which is still the number one uh, website in the world. And um, until something better comes along, it probably still will be. So that's probably the best place that you can start, which is to think about where your customers are based on what they know, their knowledge level. I think most people understand what a logo designer is the same that they do, um, you know, a web designer or someone who bakes cakes. So for those people, are they searching for your product and service already? In which case, where are they probably going to go first? There are obviously uh, new platforms like TikTok and obviously Instagram and, and things like that, that are fantastic for attracting people who don't know what it is that you offer, or maybe, you know, I see people all the time talking about how they renovate, you know, broken down houses and things like that. Now there are people out there who search on Google for that. That's, you know, there's always going to be people that want detailed articles and, you know, maybe some videos on that, but some people haven't thought about that before. So in that case, popping up in the newsfeed on how you earned, you know, doubled your money on this um, house that you bought for 20 grand, then, you know, that's the kind of entertainment content that might be beneficial for that platform. The, The other part of this question is how can you take content, like a question, like one question, and make the most out of it. Now, we always start with A blog article because the blog article is usually the longest form of content so you can flesh out all of the individual ideas and what we do is when we spend that time creating that content we find that we give ourselves so many other pieces of content from that one article that we can distribute across other platforms as well things like linkedin you know at the very least we can take our article and break it up into five to ten individual linkedin posts that would also work for instagram You know, so it's about thinking about where your customers are before writing the content or producing the content and then distributing it, uh, you know, not just copy and pasting it. Sometimes you will have to play around with it a little bit more, especially with LinkedIn. Um, so it's about where your content starts, the platform that it starts and where it can go once it's been produced. We just found that most of our traffic comes from Google. So we're going to stick with that first you know we've got people searching for what we do but we've also got people searching for answers to questions and problems that they're facing like how to rank a website on the first page of google you know how to write a headline for a blog post those are the kind of con those are the kind of ideas that mean that we focus more on google traffic and rankings and we start with the article and then we can actually just carve that up and use it on other platforms as well you know you have to be realistic and ideally You would have a social media person that can create new content every single day for those platforms. But if you're trying to keep things lean and there's only one or two people in the business, that's the best way that we approach this, which is publish content on your preferred platform first that makes the most sense for your target customers. And then make time in the diary to take pieces of that and distribute it across other platforms as well.
0: I can't stress enough the concept of repurposing content that's something I know I need to do more of because um, I'm frequently creating new content on a weekly basis uh, in particular through this podcast Um, and I know that there's a lot of opportunities there to take that content that's being prepared and Uh, distribute it in many different ways like you said. Uh, I I think in the graphic design space people that might be familiar with Michael Janda he has a fantastic Instagram feed and I am very aware that most of his posts so he does a lot of these really great carousels with uh, you know you slide through them it's got helpful tips and advice. Uh, What that content actually is is um his next book <laughs> so what he does uh, I, I i don't know if he releases it as blog posts in the same way that you do but he treats um like he, he's continuously creating a book but then using that content on social media and i'm sure he's probably able to use any questions that people might be asking to actually make his book better so it's a good way to be thinking about it. So when when you do create content, maybe you could be working on a bigger thing rather than just creating a carousel instead, because uh, uh, there, there's a lot of designers out there. I've seen young designers do this. They will focus on the carousel because they're trying to be like Michael Janda or like Christo. And obviously, they see those people creating the carousels and they want to do the same thing. And uh, that's totally understandable. But what they don't often realize is the bigger picture, like you described, where they have this main piece of content. Um, in your case, it's, um, uh, you know, a blog post. In my case, it could be a podcast with Christo. Maybe it's part of a training course. And, mm-hmm. you know, this it's a training course that he wants to sell. He's just taking content from that and issuing that out in different ways. So don't just focus on the minute, Instagram feed that that that's just going to be there for a short period of time. Think of the bigger picture and how you can potentially distribute that in many different ways. I think that's really Mm -hmm. good advice, Martin. Yeah, and I
1: think I mean you mentioned um, Chris there. So one of the things that you know, in terms of turning content from a course into bite-sized content, a lot of people have this preconceived notion that if it's good enough that it's paid, then you might not really want to share that publicly or freely on Instagram, uh, if you're trying to get people to buy it from you. But actually one of the successful methods that we've taken is imagine that the content that you're creating right now is, has a price tag attached. Imagine that the content, the article you're going to write or the video you're going to record, could that be premium? I'm not saying you should charge for this. I'm saying if you added 50 pounds to that, or $297 or whatever, wherever you are in the world, would it still be valuable? Would somebody still get value from that? Now, I asked myself that question before I hit publish on every single piece of free content. The reason that I do that is because if you're thinking, oh, this is valuable, I probably shouldn't share too much, then your competitors are probably thinking that as well. Uh, Nine out of 10 of them probably will. Um, So that's a really, really good sign that the content is good enough. You know, if you're sharing like a logo design tip on how to fix this thing, you might think this is really good. And if I give this information away, nobody's going to want to hire me. The reality is, is that most people don't take action. Most people don't implement what it is you're out there teaching. So you're free to just share everything regardless of the value within your content. You want to be the most helpful. You want to be the most trustworthy, because as a side effect of that, you're going. Most people are not going to work with you. You know that's a reality. There's not enough hours in the day for you to work with everyone if they wanted to. So if you only attract, you know, one percent or two percent of your total audience, the bigger the audience, the more money you're going to make. So if you can have that price tag mentality when it comes to content, and I think to myself would I be happy to charge for this content? If I would be happy to charge for it, and I wouldn't feel guilty for charging for it, then I publish that piece of content. It's just a really, really simple filter on whether or not it's good enough. Would somebody pay me for this?
0: Yeah, you're actually making me think of Pat Flynn. So I'm sure you're aware of Pat Flynn. Some of the audience might not be. Um, But I've been a, a, a fan of Pat's for a long time. I consumed a lot of his content. And his podcast and blog posts and everything like that are such high value Mm -hmm. that it's just it's incredible content and in my opinion it's uh the best in in terms of passive income and information and what's interesting is obviously he's giving that away for free but when he did create a book or a course or anything like that what I found really interesting is the the information in that training course, he'd actually freely shared already. Mm-hmm. So if you listened to all of his content, followed everything he did, you would know everything that was in that training course already. And now these these training courses, I can't remember the price tag, um, but say hypothetically a few hundred pounds. But the the main difference with that is that training course, you can sit down and go through that within a few hours and learn everything. But if you needed to go through all of his content, that would take you days, weeks or, or so on to go through everything. So even though he'd taken content that he'd given away for free, which is obviously of value, he hasn't lost any customers. If anything, he's be- he's become the authority. And people like me, I love Pat. I want to watch his training course. I want to support him because i know that you know i've got so much value from this free stuff what's the paid stuff going to be like and i i've never mm-hmm. been disappointed mm-hmm. and Absolutely. like i said it's it's not that i felt like i've uh learned something new from the podcast uh, from the training course but it's it's a nice way of refreshing that information and when he releases a book uh, again i want to buy the book because i'm a fan mm-hmm. of his content and mm-hmm. you know i'm saying this just to stress what you said about giving away your best content for free, it doesn't stop you from generating an income from that, whether that be yeah. through consulting or a product or service or anything like that. It's, you know, that's, that's how people are succeeding now is sharing everything they know. Mm-hmm.
1: And I just wanted to point out as well that Pat Flynn's a great example. Um, a lot of the the big successful podcasts, you know, they they live and breathe this Um, But like you said, you know, nobody's disappointed if they pay for a course with Pat Flynn because it's packaged better. They don't have to cipher through so many different articles and links. It's just packaged better. It's neater. It's easier. It's presented better. You feel obligated to do the thing because you paid for it. So nobody ever minds. Um, You know, if you get a return on that investment after going through 10% of that course, then it's paid for itself and you're happy. So people like to buy for many different reasons. And I also wanted to stress that You know, Pat's got hundreds, maybe even a thousand episodes now. I don't know how it's been going. He's got a lot, definitely. (laughs) And he's got more Um, than one podcast. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. So I don't want anybody to think that they have to dedicate their lives to this like Pat has done. Um, We found that we were getting great results from writing one article that answered one question. So, for instance, as an example off the top of my head, we found that we were getting a question quite a lot, which is... I've built my own website or somebody's built my website and it's not ranking in Google and I don't know how to fix that. And that's a question that if you were to use a tool or search online, like with the keyword research, not many people search for that, but we found that every single person who spoke to us or read our articles were like, well, we're not ranking in Google, what can I do? Uh, We know you're writing lots of helpful content. So we actually wrote one article, which is why you're not ranking in Google and how to fix it. Now that one article obviously attracted a lot of traffic, it attracted leads, we've taken on customers from that article, but that was only one article and we found that we were getting some success. So when Pat Flynn creates all of these articles or these podcast episodes and dedicates his entire life to free content, you can do that on a much smaller scale. Mm -hmm. Pat Flynn's a very, very rich man because he produces very, very rich content you don't have to have as much money or as much success as Pat Flynn to get the same results. It's just you doing what you do on a smaller scale. So be ultra specific about the content you produce. Do it the right way. You never want to produce content that you think, I need to produce a piece of content. So I'm just going to put this out there and hope for the best. It's much better for you to produce fewer articles or fewer videos and actually get the content right rather than just sh- sh- sharing content for content's sake. Uh, because you can, you can achieve exactly what it is that you just explained, Pat achieves, which is people buy his course anyway. People um, find that it, it delivers a decent return on that investment. People love it and they're thankful for it, even though the content's similar. And uh, that's something else to be aware of is that if you're not prepared to produce this content for free, your competitors might start you know, clocking onto this as, a, as the best way to grow their business and they might get there before you. So I definitely think logo design and design in general is is a big opportunity uh, you know in websites and seo and with with online income there's a lot of com- com- uh, competitors out there but in the design space there are obviously some some big names you've mentioned a few of them uh, mm-hmm. on this podcast but it's very when i stumble across designer websites they're very design heavy they look very beautiful they're very clean and clear the problem sometimes is like photographer websites is the imagery sometimes makes for great experience, but without content on the website, without articles, without some helpful guidance, the images by themselves won't do a lot of the selling, won't do a lot of the educating. They won't answer things like what is a JPEG. So I do think that there's room for that. And I know it's something uh, Carl Gray from Pixels Inc has done quite a lot of. He's really, Mm -hmm. really tried to focus on content these past few years. Uh, His big thing, obviously is his amazing YouTube channel, but he really has focused on content as well, and it does help throughout the the, the buying cycle when you're able to send articles to people. And you say, "I've produced this content. This answers that question," and it just makes things a lot easier.
0: Yeah, I think Cole's actually a very good example of this because he has his YouTube channel, and obviously, graphic designers are interested in this and they are following him. Um, but he's not targeting. Graphic designers, in the same way that I am. Like this podcast is a podcast for graphic designers. But in terms of what Cole's doing, almost all of his content is for clients. They are answering questions that clients are searching for. So, in terms of that video, that content marketing that he's doing is specifically for potential clients, not for graphic designers. It just happens to interest graphic designers anyway. Absolutely. So just before moving on to the second half of this podcast where we're going to be discussing how to use content marketing to filter clients I want to once again give a shout out to The Perfect Match who have kindly sponsored this episode. As designers we're frequently designing mood boards but how good are you at communicating the intended messages? Well now you can find out I want you to design a mood board using Adobe Stock Assets and to then enter that into the perfect match. Every entry will receive a $50 gift voucher from Adobe, but you'll also be entered into the chance to be featured on Adobe's monthly live streaming game show where you could also win $1,000. On top of this, if you do enter, Let me know by sending me an email or a message on social media. And what I will do is put your name into a hat for a chance to win one of three Adobe CC annual subscriptions, which is an offer exclusively... For listeners of this podcast and what i'll do in around three weeks time so at the time of releasing this it's around the 24th of may 2022 um in around three weeks time what i would do is pick a name out of a hat and the winner will win well there would be three winners they will win one of three adobe cc annual subscriptions so to learn more about the perfect match and to enter head to the forward slash play so let's get back to that interview cool so i want to talk a little bit more about this whole idea of filtering things down so we spoke about you know what content should we create and we've spoken a little bit about um you know actually creating that content we could possibly go into that in more detail if we have time um but i think this filter thing is an important thing that we should go into first so how how do you go about going from simply creating content to get traffic to creating content that is filtering out the 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 people you don't want and attracting the people that you do want Mm, yeah it's a really interesting one and um
1: often people don't think that they they have this choice they don't have this option you just attract who you attract and um And there's some, you know, magical unicorn customers that will just be perfect and they'll get in touch with you and they're just going to pay you 10 times more. But in reality, you have quite a lot of, um, you know, responsibility to, in order to attract and repel your customers and the ones you want to work with versus the ones you don't. So how it came about is, like I mentioned, we were attracting lots of leads, traffic leads and and, and opportunities for sales. But we were finding that some of the people that, uh, you know, wanted to work with us, Maybe they didn't have the budget. And if they don't have a budget, you're going to have to, you know, quite often a normal typical sales process is you don't, you don't know what their budget is. You don't know what they don't know what your prices are. So they book a call with you. They spend an hour on the phone. And at the end, you might be brave enough to say, what's your budget? Or if not, you tell them the price that you charge. And then they say, oh, wow, I really can't afford that. I was expecting it to be a few hundred and you just quoted me over a thousand or whatever it might be. Um, and then you've given up all your time because you're so polite. You didn't bring it up earlier. And, um, you know, every sales call is different. So it Mm -hmm. it really depends. The point is, is that we were just finding that when we were speaking to these people, we were getting frustrated, not with them, but with the fact that we'd spent time doing that and booking the call. And you know what it's like trying to get things in diaries. Sometimes it's a nightmare. So we just found that we needed to stop that from happening and the very first thing that we did is we started to create content to stop mistakes like that from happening so one of the things that we found is uh the one of the first piece of content i'm trying to think off the top of my head uh, was why you shouldn't spend thousands on a brand new website when you first launch your business So there's this idea that everyone's your customer as long as they've got money. But in reality, we found that the customers that would take longer to deal with, maybe they don't have the budget, are brand new business owners. You know, maybe they've just left the job or they just want to start a new business. And for us to take over a thousand pound off them, it didn't feel right because they hadn't fully established a customer base. They didn't have, you know, ongoing sales. They were just starting out. But when we were on sales calls with people, you might get sort of 20, 30 minutes into a call and they say, I haven't got much of a budget, but really, you know, even if they did have the budget, it wouldn't be the right thing for them to do. So we actually created a piece of content that said why you shouldn't invest if you're brand new. And what that meant is that we could establish whether or not they were new business owners, uh, you know, when they sent us an email, because they'd say things like, I'm just starting my business. I'm looking for a web designer. Can you help? Can I book a call? Can I book a meeting? So we created that content to stop us from speaking to those people would send them a really helpful email and would say, you know, if you're brand new to business, it might not be the right time for you to work with us. Maybe you want to find a cheaper web designer. Maybe you want to do it yourself using some software, but rather than saying, no, we can't help. We actually wrote that article and sent it to them. And then we're extremely thankful for that. So that's one way that we really, really started to flesh this idea out to say, you might not be in the position yet where you're going to benefit from our services. And it obviously takes you a while to understand who is your customer and who isn't your customer. But that was just something that we got a little bit frustrated with. So it was what was happening within our business that dictated the content that we produced. Um, so the CERN, I can't think of any any other examples, but every single time that we had a a problem within our business, we were like, have we created a piece of content to stop that from happening again? Have we created an article that says why we why you shouldn't work with us? You know, so, you know, new business is one thing, but there's so many other different people out there aren't aren't the right fit for us. We found out early on that people that were like, I need a website done fast. I need it done cheap, even if they've got lots of money, but they just wanted to treat us like a little bit of an employee rather than a, you know, an agency. So we actually created one article that said seven reasons you shouldn't work with us. And we listed those reasons so that people could self-educate. Now, understandably, not everybody is going to read your articles and they're not going to read all of them and they're not going to get down to those articles, but they still might get in touch with you. And that's where we decided to set up a couple of email templates. You know, you can pretty much establish, get a good idea of what someone's like from the initial email that they send. Some emails might be like, hi, Ian, I love love your website i love all your amazing content it's fantastic um, i'm looking to work with a logo designer and uh we wanted to work with you last year but we decided you know we're going to wait until we've got more money in the bank and now's the time to work with you that's one inquiry that you would get that you'd be really excited about and another mm-hmm. inquiry is like hi um, i saw your name in, in google someone referred me to you they said you designed their logo uh, what's the cheapest and quickest way that we can get this done like now You know, that the the anxiety that you might feel in terms of replying to that, the latter is so much more different from the first one. So when you have content, it makes it and you publish content on your website or you publish content on YouTube, you can then use that to make that transition easier. So if you say, I don't think we're the right fit for you go away (laughs) then it's Mm -hmm. not really gonna sit well with them but if you send them an article and saying actually it seems as though what you're asking for we might not be able to help with for more information read this article about the seven key reasons that you might not see success when working with us really because they are a particular kind of person sometimes they'll read the article and they'll be like oh wow you've really I really misinterpreted what a logo designer does and they transition themselves you know that's happened multiple times for us when they think it's one thing and then your content has helped move them from a particular type of customer to someone that really really values your opinion because you've used content to take ownership of that situation take control of that situation and content is a nice easy cushion for them it's not Yes, we can work with you. No, we can't work with you. There's a middle area and a gray area that you can really, really help build your brand and 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 change people's way of thinking. You know, if they do have a budget in the future, then who are they going to work with? They're going to work with someone that's helped them understand that it's not the right time for them because nine out of 10 times they'll speak to, you know, nine other people. And they'll all take their money and they'll be like, "Yep, yeah, let's go do it. Let's get you signed up. And then they'll have a terrible experience. And we didn't want that. We just didn't want to sign up customers for the sake of money. We wanted to sign up for the sake of the experience and the, the fact that we wanted to help people get a, a great result. And, um, and we just found that when you have certain content and when you have a certain, you know, library of email templates that you can send to these people, you're just able to save yourself quite a lot of time and it helps stop that
0: email anxiety. This is absolutely genius, and i, I don't know about listeners, but i 'm feeling really excited about this because <laughs> i I am faced with that challenge a lot you know this I, I think everyone listening that does sales a lot will have clients that you know want it now or don 't know how much it costs, or they come with you saying i don 't have much of a budget or whatever that that's um, fairly common, and I really, really love the idea of creating content specifically that you can use to share in emails I never mm-hmm. even thought of that and it's a really good idea and um, because y- you know as you described that particular client that sent the email that wanted it now they wanted it quick they wanted it cheap you would be inclined to you know reply like I, I don't think we're going to be a good fit blah 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 you know if you was going to get back to them some might even just ignore that inquiry because it you know, it's pretty clear that that's not going to work out. But I really like the idea that you can prepare template emails for those scenarios and help them. <laughs> yeah, and because I, I mean, something I've always liked to do with telephone calls. So when I started working for my for, for myself full time. I always felt fairly uncomfortable with sales calls. It was new to me, it was daunting, it was something I haven't done a lot of uh previously. Um so it was a new thing. So something that I did was I spoke to anyone. And uh, mm. so you know if a lead came in even if they said that they don't have much of a budget, I would still speak to them on, on the phone. And there was one time and and this comes to mind now where I don't know why I I I, I, I must have been having a quiet day, or um, you know, I got on well with the person that I was speaking to, but this person basically had no budget. They had what like 50 pounds it's you know far from enough to even make Mm -hmm. it worth talking with them but what I decided to do was just spend time with them help them understand the process how things work why it costs a certain amount what what her options are what she could potentially go for now to get going and I just spoke through everything I I spent about half an hour on on a call that I know wouldn't necessarily convert but what I was really surprised about and why I think the approach that you said is fantastic is she actually eventually came back to me within a week and said, Ian, your advice was so fantastic. What I've decided to do is pull together some money from different things and I'd like to go ahead with your usual project. Amazing. So it originally started with her only having a £50 budget to having a lot more than that to actually go ahead with a project and it was simply because I helped her Mm. and I will openly admit that I don't always have that time for clients especially when I know that they're not going to go ahead. Um, I'd love to but I'd never make an income but I think the approach that you've described here in terms of preparing good content you know that could be blogs, videos, audio, uh, it could be anything physically creating that content so that you can get back to those people but if you prepare template emails it's just genius because it's literally copy paste send forget Mm -hmm. but that to that customer could be like oh this is really helpful Mm -hmm. this is uh I didn't know that it was like this I'm going to get in touch and you know you could convert somebody that you would previously have ignored and actually turn them into a customer by simply copying and pasting an email is. It's, mm-hmm. it's I mean it's kind of obvious um, <laughs> yeah. but it's having you describe it to me anyway this I, I find it exciting and I've got some work to do and I'd imagine that there would be people listening that have that same feeling inside and now they just want to stop and uh start working on content now <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's an interesting one because the email um, templates or something that, you know, you just, you figure out within we, within our business, we're like, this will save us time. Um, but actually, when you marry it up with content, it works wonderfully well. Um, we always say that, I mean, when you publish content, people treat it differently than if you were to say on the phone. We, 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 we say this all the time. People care what you, they don't care what you say, they care what you publish. If you're on a phone call with someone and you say, usually most of my customers pay a thousand pounds, and that person has a choice they either believe you or they don't and they go somewhere else or they laugh and they say because that's what happened to us earlier on you know when we were trying to charge a certain amount for a website people were like nobody would pay that that's like yeah you know (laughs) yeah even if it's like a normal price isn't it it's not particularly expensive some people just have a different different idea and I just found that People will care and believe more about what you publish. So, if you put your name to something and you write an article to say the average amount of money that people pay us is between five and 10,000, then people will believe that. People want to believe what they read on the end. They believe the news and sometimes that's not correct. So why wouldn't they believe an honest logo designer that's talking about how you can grow your business with logos and what impact it has. And you produce an article to say, this is what people typically pay and here's why, and here's what's involved. And you mentioned it before the process, you know, one of our best um, performing articles was our 31 step process to building a website. And throughout the article we would send that to any new inquiries regardless of if you know they were good or bad or whatever we could send that to people to say here's exactly why we charge a certain amount because this is the process that we follow you may have thought that it was as simple as you know add a few images to a website it's not the case and here's exactly why so when you actually are more honest and transparent about your processes and the way you do things the price often doesn't seem like such a huge issue but you have to be prepared to be honest and upfront about the real questions and the real concerns that people have you probably see now why writing about why a 301 redirect is input is important for your website probably doesn't perform as well as Mm. the kind of content that we're discussing now and i think when you do get over that that hurdle and you get started you'll naturally start to pick up where you need to create content and what problems you need to solve. You know, you can transform your business completely just using content that you sit down on a Sunday evening and just decide to solve a problem a week. You know, even if it's if it's relatively short, but you can use it within your sales process. Maybe you wanna go into more detail like the 31 ways to build your website. That's potentially gonna rank well and it's potentially gonna drive some traffic, but it's also gonna improve that customer. Um, and, you know, when you, when you loop it into your emails, you just, you can't really go wrong. And uh, we're just finding now, uh, you know, we spoke about the benefits at the start of general content and the content that we were producing before, but the benefits now are completely different. And we never would have realized the benefits even after seeing the results initially. So some of the re- the benefits is, we never have people on the, on a call who don't know our prices, who aren't aware of the sort of price range that we charge. So it makes for a more interesting conversation. The sales calls are 20 minutes versus an hour and a half like they were before, which saves us a lot of time. And we're also converting, you know, 90% of the proposals that we send out. So we're not wasting any time on people who can't afford to work with us or maybe they're not the right fit, but we're also not sending them RC emails that says we don't want to work with you if you can't afford to pay us it's a really really interesting um automated sort of semi-automated way to save time treat people with respect and attract higher paying clients you know it's kind of the perfect trifecta really
0: yeah definitely definitely well we've been speaking now for about just over 50 minutes and we've only really scrape the surface of this, but I think we've done enough to inspire people and to, um, you know, direct people how to approach this. But obviously, there is more that people might want to learn about. Earlier, you mentioned about your website with lots of resources and so on. Um, We briefly mentioned the book. I think we should talk about this a little bit more in the last few minutes that we have here. Can you tell us more about your book? So it's called Content Fortress. I mm-hmm. haven't yet read it myself. So um, do you want to tell us a little bit more about that book and then we'll wrap things up.
1: Cool, course, yeah, absolutely. So it was my wife and I that wrote the book. Um, I was saying before we hit record that we wrote it during uh, COVID. We sort of announced that we were writing a book and then COVID and lockdown happened. Uh, so yeah, we, we wrote that during lockdown. So that was fun. We'll never forget that. Um, so yeah, the idea of Content Fortress is everything that we've spoken about on this, on this call. Um, about being able to attract better customers and repel the ones that you don't want to work with. That's what the book's about. So if you want more details and sort of some email templates and things, that's all in the book as well. Um, Essentially, we break up content that you can create into eight individual pillars. One of the pillars is repelling content, like the content that we've been speaking about. Um, some of it's how you can actually sell your products and services as well. So we have like eight pillars and we have one of them at sales content. So we've kind of got eight pillars. You really kind of want to just spend time creating content, um, you know, across the eight pillars. If you're ever struggling, you've got a book, or resource. It's kind of like a handbook on how to do that. Uh, we've got some great examples as well from completely different niches, B2C, B2, uh, B2B, uh, about how people are using content in order to demand their perfect customers and I think that's what it's about you know if you're there and you're publishing content and you're actually producing it and sharing it with people you just will naturally attract better customers it's probably the biggest benefit I think to the book uh, to reading the book or the entire concept Uh, so it really just depends on on what your goals are if you want to produce content just for traffic and rankings that's great but at some point you're going to have to filter through who you want to work with and that's where the book comes in handy so it's kind of like one level deeper from just traffic generating content we don't talk a lot about seo in the book we've got courses and blog posts for that this was a slightly different angle on how you can really take your business uh, you know especially for a service based business like logo design you know how you can demand better customers and make sure that they they pay what you want to be paid um so yeah that's really well And about. also
0: i noticed on your website there is it 10% sales go to mind go to the charity mind.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. So we, um, you know, I told you briefly that, you know, I struggled when I was dealing with all these people. I struggled that I was uh, having to respond to, you know, multiple emails a day. I just didn't have time to do my job and it caused me quite a lot of stress and and, uh, anxiety. So, you know, I struggled with my mental health when I was in that kind of period. Uh, it was only after implementing this strategy that things got better. So we decided when we launched the book to donate 10% of all sales, not profits, all sales to um, to Mind. So yeah, they're, they're an amazing charity and they do some amazing work.
0: Yeah, that's very generous. And um, I, I know through this podcast, I'm very much an advocate of mental health. Um, if anyone is struggling, um, speak to somebody, get professional help if you need to, it's totally normal. I've Fully support it, I admire people that do look after their mental health as much as their physical health it's important, and if you don't look after that, then you know you're you're gonna sh- struggle so thank you for supporting mine and and for being open about those uh struggles yeah C- cool, fantastic well, this has been a brilliant episode. Uh, I think there's been a lot of really solid takeaways so um Martin, thank you so much for your time and um yeah uh, maybe we need to do another episode again in the future about <laughs> some it. other area of content marketing uh, but uh, yeah thank you so much for your time it's been great to speak to you
1: no I absolutely loved it and um, yeah whatever anybody else needs you know I'm uh I'm sure I can help
0: <laughs> brilliant I'll, li- I'll link to your website book and everything in the show notes so that people can find your content book and uh, reach out if they have any questions so brilliant thanks Martin wonderful you're very welcome thanks for having me on so if you want to learn more about martin and his book content fortress head to his website jammydigital.com i'll link to that in the show notes along with his social profiles in the show notes for this episode which you can find by heading to logogeek.uk forward slash 136 and don't forget to check out the sponsor of this podcast, The Perfect Match, and start working on your mood board design for a chance to win one thousand dollars. To find out more about that, just head to theperfectmatch.co/play. And if you do enter, let me know. And what I'll do is I'll put your name into a hat for the chance to win one of three adobe cc annual subscriptions which is an offer exclusively for listeners of the logo geek podcast so that's it for today thank you so much for listening i'll be back the same time next week for another exciting episode of the logo geek podcast